Thank you for joining us and listening to this message from the Ministry of Grace Providence Church in Cerritos, California. For more information, visit our website at www.graceprovidencechurch.org. All right, turn to Romans 15. We're going to conclude this chapter this morning, verses 22 to 33. This is an inspired account of Paul's travel plans. Just think of it like that. Every word of God has been inspired by him. Paul wrote this account under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This is what we believe about the Scripture. Even we read about Paul, I'm going to go here, and then I plan to do this. This is an inspired account. So there's something here for us. Let me read verses 22 to 33. This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you, that is to Rome. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain, and to be helped on my journey there by you, and once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I am going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings... They ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, and you may have in your version, and sealed this fruit to them, it's not in my text, but some versions have it, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Verse 30. I appeal to you, brethren, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayer to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelieving in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. So that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Well, here is Paul's travel plans, not for vacation or leisure, but for service to the Lord Jesus Christ. But his plans don't come to pass as expected, do they? We learn from the book of Acts what actually happens to Paul when he goes back to Jerusalem. You know, it says in the book of Proverbs that a man plans his way, a man's heart plans his way, but it is the Lord 
whose purpose prevails. We always have to keep that in mind. And Paul recognizes that when he talks about he'll come to them by the will of God. So he subordinates everything, his plans to, if the Lord is willing. I remember seeing for the first time in a letter, getting a letter from a previous, uh, in a previous pastorate from a pastor I knew well in Northern California. He said something to me, and then he said, DV at the end. You know, what does that mean? I asked him, well, it's Latin, a Latin term, Deo Volente, meaning God willing. And he punctuated his statement to me about his plans, God willing. This is exactly what Paul does here as well. So let's look at this, and we're going to see Paul's plan to go to Rome, then his plan to go to Jerusalem, his plan to go to Spain, and then he concludes with prayer. So this is my outline this morning. Notice verses 22 to 24, his plans to finally visit the Christians in Rome. He says, this is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. What's he referring to? Well, we go back into the previous passage we looked at last week. He talked about the fact that his ministry took him from Jerusalem to, remember that funny word, that funny region, Illyricum, north of Macedonia. There's no record in Acts that he went into Illyricum, but he tells us he did. And there's a place for it in the Acts account in chapter 20 in the first few verses. Luke could have included that. Most likely that's when he went to Illyricum. And ministered there, but he says he went round about. So he covered all these regions, kind of made a circle, covering from Jerusalem in the east and all the way west into Europe, even as far as Illyricum, because he wanted to fulfill his ministry of the gospel. So he's telling him, This is the reason why I was hindered in coming to you. I, have, I was on the king's business. I had business to do for the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, it was his goal to go into those regions where Christ had not yet been named. He didn't want to build on another man's foundation. Paul was a pioneer missionary. He was a trailblazer. He wanted to go where Christ was not worshipped, where Jesus Christ was not known. That's the human reason why he didn't go to Rome? What's the divine reason? I mentioned it last week. Why do you think God hindered Paul from going to Rome? We would not have the book of Romans if he had gone to Rome. Most likely. But the fact he had not gotten to the capital of the empire, of the Gentile world, he was prompted to write the book of Romans when he was in Corinth. This is where he was when he wrote the epistle to the Christian community at Rome. So there was a divine reason why God hindered him from going there. This gave the reason for the epistle. But now he says, verse 23, but now the present situation versus the contrast with the past when I couldn't go because I was busy Covering these regions that needed to be evangelized. Churches need to be planted in these places. But now, 
I'm free to come. But now, since I no longer have any room for work in those regions, no, he's telling us he pretty much completed what he set out to do. Does it mean every city and town was evangelized by Paul? No. He planted churches in the major population centers of the Roman Empire. Ephesus, Corinth. But now since I have no longer any room for work in those regions, and since I have longed for so many years to come to you. I mean, listen to the language here. Years, not talking about months or weeks. Paul wanted for years to go to Rome. Now he says, verse 24, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. Now I'm going to talk more about that now, but just note what he says. He intends to go to Spain. And he, as he's going to Spain, he's going to stop off in Rome. This is what he's telling him. And apparently for kind of a short visit. He's not going to stay a long time. Notice how he, how he says it. To be helped on my journey there by you since, and once I've enjoyed your company for a while. This seems to be uh, his plan is to just stay a brief time with them. Why? Why wouldn't he want us? Because there's a church there. A church has been planted in Rome. It's been evangelized. There's a solid body of people there. Remember all the things he said about them? How they were full of goodness. They were full of knowledge. He praises them for their spiritual maturity. There's a very solid church in Rome. So Paul doesn't have to stay there a long time. He just wants to visit. He wants to meet these people. He wants to have fellowship with them. He hopes to get support for his mission to Rome. Notice that word help and to be helped on my journey. This is a word that has to do with uh, giving hospitality. To be helped on his journey means that they could support him with food and perhaps some money. Uh, Maybe there'd be some people that would escort him on part of the journey. Some traveling companions. In other words, he needs, he's looking to the church at Rome to help him in his mission to Spain. And I love how he says, and, I, and once I have enjoyed your company. I mean, just think of this. Many years he's wanted to go there and meet these people. And at long last, Paul's going to get there. And after all these years, he's going to be able to sit down face to face with these people and enjoy sweet fellowship in the Lord Jesus Christ with them. Sharing together what the Lord has done. So there's Paul's plan laid out briefly of his intention to go to Rome. Now in verses 25 to 27... He has something first that he has to do. So you're going to tell him, I can't come immediately. I have to take care of business back home. He has to go to Jerusalem. So Paul's plan to visit Jerusalem first. Verse 25. At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem. And what, what's, why does he want to go back there? Because he's taking a gift 
from the churches in Ma- he tell from in Macedonia and Achaia. What, what churches are those? Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, Corinth. These are Gentile churches that made a contribution for the poor saints in Jerusalem. Poor meaning economically. You know, we notice from the record in Acts that the church seemed to be poor almost from the beginning. That's why a few of the wealthy people in the church sold their property and provided for others in the church. And Paul intended to take this gift to aid them back to Jerusalem. He took up a collection. You can read about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9 about the giving of these churches. Now, Paul says some wonderful things about their giving. Also, by the way, he collected this money on his third missionary journey. And that's where he's at. Notice the word contribution, that from Macedonia and Kiev, they have been pleased... Actually, they have been very pleased to make a contribution. So Paul didn't have to twist the arm of the Christians in Philippi or Thessalonica to contribute to the needs of the saints back in Jerusalem. In fact, he tells us they gave very freely, very willingly. In fact, they begged to be a partner with Paul in this gift. And it's... Fascinating that Paul uses the word for fellowship for the, that is translated here, contribution. He uses the word koinonia, a fellowship that is a sharing together. And this is how the Gentile Christians saw it, that they wanted to share in this ministry with, with their br- brothers and sisters in Jerusalem who they had never met. Paul repeats it, that they were pleased to do it. He emphasizes that, that this was a voluntary thing on their part. And here's the reason. This is why the Gentiles wanted to be a part of this. And indeed, they owe it to them, for if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in material blessings. So there was some sense in which the Gentile Christians felt an obligation, they felt an indebtedness to the Jewish Christians. And it's correct because it was, who were the missionaries that probably brought the gospel to Rome? Probably Jewish missionaries. Those that were there on the day of Pentecost who had gone to Pentecost, uh, gone to Jerusalem for the celebration of Pentecost. It mentions that there were people there from Rome, visitors from Rome in Acts chapter 2. It could be these are the people who went back, evangelized the city after coming to faith themselves under Peter's ministry in Jerusalem. So they've been evangelized by Jewish missionaries, and they owed this debt. But also when you just think about what the Jewish people have given to the world, remember what we covered in the ninth chapter? The privileges of the Jewish people, they've given us the scriptures, the glory of God, the Messiah himself, God 
in the flesh who brought us salvation. So they felt a great indebtedness for the spiritual blessings they had from their Jewish people. And they want to give back. So it's a, a material gift is a very proper expression of gratitude for spiritual blessings. And this is one of the ways that we can show our thankfulness to God for the blessings that he's poured out upon us. Now, thirdly, verses 28 and 29, Paul's intention to go to Spain. Let's develop this a little more. Now, he comes back to, the, to his plan to visit those in Rome, but first he is going to deliver what he collected and then leave for Spain by way of those in Rome. So he can't go to Spain until he has delivered this collection, he tells them, verse 28. Now, notice what he says. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, and then we have added, and I want to just make a comment on this, he says, and sealed to them this fruit. The idea of sealing it, I believe in this context, it means to certify this gift. And he's calling this gift fruit. This is the fruit of the Gentiles. Their gift is certified by the fact that Paul himself is taking it. He could not just delegate this to someone else. It wouldn't have been the same if he had given this money to one of his co-workers and said, will you take this for me to the saints in Jerusalem? No, Paul himself had to take this. His presence, handing this gift over to the Christians in Jerusalem, his Jewish brethren, gave some sort of certification and seal to this offering that made it really bona fide and gave it force. That this is, this is from the Gentile churches. And I think Paul wanted it to make an impact on the Jewish believers in Jerusalem who may have still had some reticence about Gentiles joining the church, being included in the covenant as members of God's people. And here Paul comes with this amazing monetary gift from Gentile churches, hand-delivering it to them. This is the seal of this fruit. It's important that we note that. Now, so he intends to go to Spain. Where is Spain? Well, Spain is the country that is on the far western edge of the Mediterranean Sea. If you go all the way across the Mediterranean from Israel, the furthest nation on the western shore of the Mediterranean is Spain. On the other side of Spain is the Atlantic Ocean. It could be, Paul. for Paul, going to Spain was the ends of the earth. Remember what Jesus' command was? You will receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
What was the ends of the earth for Paul? The apostle to the Gentiles. Probably it was Spain. As far as he could go. There's no record of a Jewish settlement in Spain until the 3rd century. Why is that important? Well, if there had been a Jewish settlement there, Paul could assume that probably there was a foundation of Judaism in in the culture, knowledge of Yahweh, the true God. But without any Jewish witness even, let alone a Christian witness, this is a very needy field, destitute of the gospel. So Paul wanted to go there. He wanted to go as far as he could with the gospel. So that's his intention, was to go to Spain. And then he adds this, verse 29, And I know that when I come to you, I'm going to come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. What, a, what an amazing statement. He doesn't say he hopes to come. He, he says, I know when I come... I am coming with the fullness of His blessing. You know, every servant of Jesus Christ wants that assurance that they have the Lord's blessing. I mean, if you have any doubt in your mind, what I'm doing is, I don't know if the Lord's really blessing me in this. That undermines everything. That's the one thing we need to know in whatever we undertake in His name that we have His blessing. And Paul is so sure, so confident that when he comes to Rome, he is going to have the fullness of that blessing of Jesus Christ. How wonderful is that? So those are Paul's travel plans. Now look what he, he appeals now to them to pray for him. Verses 30 to 33. I appeal to you, this is the word that is, I beseech you, I urge you, I, I bleed with you. This is a very strong verb in the original. This is not a simple, gentle request for prayer. This has a lot of strength to it. Paul's really serious about this. I urge you to pray for me. To join me in prayer. Notice he says, by the Lord Jesus Christ. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ. That is, in His name, by His authority. I'm appealing to you and urging you to pray for me. Now he adds to that, and by the love of the Spirit. What What an interesting phrase that is. Can't find that anywhere else in Paul's letters. By the love of the Spirit. What does he mean by that? Probably, since love in the life of the Christian is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, Galatians 5, he's furthering his appeal to them on the basis of Christ's authority and His name, but also because of the love that you have for me that has been imparted to you by the Holy Spirit. that That really strengthens his request, his urging them to pray for him. And then notice that word, strive. I appeal to you, brothers, by the Lord Jesus Christ, by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. To strive. That sounds like a strong word, and it is in the original. 
The original word sounds like our English word, agonize. It's the idea of struggling, wrestling. In other words, he's appealing to them to really get serious in praying for him with some fervency. In contrast to how sometimes Christians pray for missionaries, Lord, bless the missionaries, bless their work on the field. I mean, it's right that we pray anything at all, but it falls a little short of what Paul is asking for here. He's asking for the Christians at Rome to really be fervent in their prayers for him. To engage in wrestling. Now, they would have to put themselves in his shoes to really appreciate his need that would stir them up to pray like that. Because look at what he asked for. The first thing, verse 31, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea. Huh. Paul is praying, asking them to pray for his safety in Jerusalem when he goes back. And we know what happened to him. Remember Acts 21 through 23. His own countrymen tried to lynch him three different times to kill him. If it had not been for the Roman authorities who rescued Paul, took custody of him, Paul would have been killed in Jerusalem. So their prayers for his safety were heard because Paul did not die. But he knows what he's going to face when he goes back there. Remember the Acts account, every place he went and stopped and talked to the Christians, they all said, the Holy Spirit is telling us you should not go. Only trouble awaits you there. Paul said, doesn't matter. I am willing to lay down my life for the sake of Jesus Christ. None of these things move me, he told them. So that's the first thing, that he would be preserved in from the unbelievers in Judea. And secondly, here's the second thing he asked for, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. So his go- again, his taking this gift, and that's what he's referring to, the collection that he's taking back to them, why wouldn't they accept it? Well, just think of the the fanatical, unbelieving Jewish people that were still in the majority in Jerusalem. Many of these fanatical Jewish people knew the Christian people. They could put pressure on them. They could say, you know, that renegade Paul who's teaching the Gentiles to not observe Moses and put all kinds of pressure on them to reject this gift of Paul. Because, listen, if you accept this gift, you're endorsing his ministry. I mean, you just imagine what they could do to try to thwart this. What they could say. And it's important to Paul that the church at Jerusalem receive this contribution. That they accept it. 
that they accept him, that they welcome him and his gift. So this is what he's praying for. And so that by God's will, and this we could see as perhaps a a third thing he wants them to pray for, but if he's preserved, his life is spared in Jerusalem, and they accept his gift, then Paul's ministry to them is complete. He, He will feel free then to come to Rome and, and so he adds in verse 32, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. To come to those in Rome with joy. Joy because prayer was answered. <laughs> they prayed for him and God answered Their prayer, by the fact that he's there, he didn't get killed in Jerusalem. Here I am, he shows up in Rome. He would be there with joy. Joy because he's finally reaching the capital of the Gentile world. Joy because he's doing God's will. He knows he's he's there by God's will. The joy of being received and welcomed by the Christians at Rome. I mean, many reasons that would... Fill Paul with joy, finally, when he comes. And then he ends, and it would almost seem like the epistle should conclude here, but doesn't. We have chapter 16. But notice his prayer. Now, you know, this is a prayer of Judaism. This is a common prayer that Jewish people pray. Paul's a Jew. But think, he's also the apostle to the Gentiles. He's praying this Jewish prayer over his Gentile readers. May the God of peace, may the God of, what is that word peace, a reference to in the Old Testament? Well, it's a beautiful shalom that we talked about a week or two ago. That word shalom more than just the absence of warfare, though that is a peace, more than just tranquility. The idea of shalom is the the wholeness of God's blessing on a person's life. The fullness of the blessing of Christ, as he talks about in the previous verses. This is to have shalom, to have peace. And notice that God is the author of it. It begins with a change in our relationship to Him. This is the beginning of shalom in the life of a person. The very first thing that has to happen is our relationship to God. And God is the one who took the initiative to change that relationship with us. And what follows that peace? Well, to put it in Paul's words in Ephesians 1.3... Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. All spiritual blessings. That's shalom. You have all spiritual blessings. The fullness of His blessing on the wholeness of your life. Materially, spiritually, the whole person is blessed by the Lord. You can't ask for anything more than that. 
And as I came to the, this concluding prayer of Paul, it reminded me of another prayer involving the peace of God. And I wanted to remind you of it, read it to you. It's found at the end of Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 to 21. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do His will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Great conclusion to the book of Hebrews, the God of peace. Our God is, we've come across the God of hope, He's the God of peace, He's the God of of comfort, so many attributes and beautiful words are put with God as the one who is the agent of these things. He embodies them in his attributes and in his actions toward his people. And we can just recall now how he's brought peace into our life this morning. Where would we be if we didn't have peace with God? Through Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us and listening to this message from the Ministry of Grace Providence Church in Cerritos, California. For more information, visit our website at www.graceprovidencechurch.org.